0: Well, yesterday, uh, we had a typical Henson family uh, outing. We were in Atlanta, and uh, we were coming back, uh, flying back, and uh, had a rental car, and we were trying to to get back to the airport uh, to make sure we were there on time, and if you have watched any news in the last month, you probably saw where uh, I-85 has a big hole in it going right through the heart of Atlanta. Uh, there was a, a guy that uh, was living under the bridge and decided, I think with the help of a, a little crack, uh, that he would light his shopping cart on fire. And uh, the way we know this is, there was a lady that was trying to get him to, uh, uh, to you know, have, have the drug with him or whatever. She walked off and she didn't stay, but she saw him light this thing on fire and somehow it got to be such a big fire, it, it like melted the, uh, the highway. And so there's this huge gaping hole, and uh, no one could get across. So they uh, had, had to reroute traffic, and so Atlanta traffic is even crazier than ever. Uh, and I think they're about finished with the repair, it'll be open tomorrow. But it wasn't open in time for us, so we had to go through a lot of different routes to get up to uh, where we were going north of Atlanta. And as we were coming back with the rental car, we were watching the signs. I even had uh, my phone telling me where to turn and and all of this uh, to make sure we'd get back. And uh, we ended up, uh, we were trying to drop Jenny's mother off so that she wouldn't have to go as far. She was going on a different airline. And so uh, we almost dropped her off at the international um, terminal. And... uh, I was accused of actually doing that on purpose, but uh, somebody said, no, this is international, it's not domestic. So uh, we turned around and uh, we had missed the sign, couldn't go uh, the right way, so we started to head back to uh, the domestic flights, which if you've ever been to the Atlanta airport, uh, it's like uh, uh, you know the next state uh, trying to get <laughs> over there. So we got over there, dropped her off, and then we were trying to get back in time uh, within the 24 hours uh, to get the car back, got there, uh, we were traveling around, uh, we saw the rental car return sign, and we, we went there and uh, noticed that there, you know, it said turn right, it had a big arrow, turn right, but there was no right, there was nowhere to turn, they were doing all this construction around the Atlanta airport, so we just, uh, the only way to go was just to keep going straight, and we did that, and that obviously wasn't going anywhere right, so we just uh, kept circling around. And we didn't know we were circling around. But eventually, after about ten times, we thought, this all looks really familiar. And so we finally turned somewhere and made our way back and uh, got the car returned and got on the plane and got out of there. But we just didn't know the way. We, we thought we knew the way, but we didn't. And uh, we luckily made it through. But as we hear from this text, Today, we hear that Philip is asking, where do we go? How are we going to know the way? Philip was hearing Jesus say, I am going away. And I'm going to come back and get you so that we can be together. And Philip says, Lord, how will we know where to go? We've depended on you for everything. How are we going to know once you leave us? And that's where Jesus says, Philip, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Just like you have been following me now, you can continue to follow me. So as we hear from Philip, we like with other things, with Philip and with Thomas and with others, uh, there is this question, Lord, how can I know the way? that I am to go. Lord, show us the way to go. And as we think about uh, our own lives, we realize that we, we lose our way at times. And it gets scary. We don't know where to turn and where we thought we were supposed to go and we thought this road would take us where we need to go. We found that it didn't and we are not who we uh, are supposed to be and we're not where we're supposed to be. And so how is it that we can find the way God has for us? Not only uh, in the hereafter, but right here in this world. Well, Jesus gives us several keys, I think. He doesn't call them keys, but I think uh, they are keys to finding the way. Just like you would have a key to a map, you would be able to understand what things meant and what you were supposed to do. And the first of these is uh, knowing Jesus emphasizes knowing, that you need to know, you have known me all this time. If you look back here at at the text, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled, believe in God, and believe also in me. In my Father's house, uh, there are many dwelling places, and if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And... uh, As Thomas uh, says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know? He says, I am that way, the truth, the light. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. It's almost like he's saying, you don't really know me. Or maybe he's getting him to uh, think about it a little little bit more. Do I really know Jesus? Have I really been paying attention? Have I really been listening to what Jesus says? Has been saying, you need to know, he says, and then you will know the Father. If you look at me, you'll see the Father. If you watch what I'm doing, you'll see what God wants to do in this world. Knowing. It's so important. And on this Mother's Day, I think about the significance of uh, what mothers provide for us. If you look in your bulletin, there's a a quote uh, there from Stevie Wonder." Uh, I think it is the first time we have quoted Stevie Wonder. We have quoted uh, a bunch of other people. But Stevie says, Mama was my greatest teacher. A teacher of compassion, love, and fearlessness. If If love is sweet as a flower, then my mother is that sweet flower of love. Isn't that nice? Henry Ward Beecher said, The mother's heart is the child's classroom. The mother's heart. Everything. Now on Father's Day I'll say something else, but everything is determined by mom's, isn't it? If you think about the contribution that mothers make, how could you even begin to quantify That that kind of contribution. It goes on and on. We we don't forget the things that our mothers tell us. Whether that's good or bad, right? There is that lasting influence. There is that nurture that is to be there. That care and that compassion. And uh, as I think about my mom, she died in uh, 2000. And uh, yesterday when I was graduating, I thought, I would not. Uh, be walking across this stage if it weren't for my mom that's not to say anything about my dad my dad also contributed greatly but uh, it was my mom that was there uh, making sure I had things memorized or making sure that I was doing my homework or uh, making sure that I was behaving or whatever else And, and it was my mother who was living out the gospel so that I could understand it, there was no question that she knew Jesus for as long as I can remember. So her heart was my classroom. There's that power of knowing. And if we are going to get to the Father, if we're going to get on the way that we are to go, we need to make sure that we know Jesus. It's not just knowing things about Jesus, right? You could probably tell me a lot about that. But it is... Knowing, having this knowledge, and and it comes by listening to the words of Jesus. They never get old, do they? Uh, As we hear uh, the gospel, as we read it, uh, there's always something that is new for us. There's something uh, that God wants to show us. And for those disciples that were able to follow Jesus as he was on earth and and to, to go with him... Uh, to all the places he went, and hear all the things that he said, the stories that he told. um, Just how amazing would that have been. But we have uh, so much of what Jesus said and taught right here in our Gospels, and and it's up to us to listen to them. If we really want to know Jesus, we will listen to the words of Jesus, and, and maybe even memorize, so that we can meditate upon those words. But also by looking at Jesus. We look at what Jesus did. And we can see that, that Jesus knew the Father. We have no doubts about that. And, and there's that revelation of God. And the things that he did. The way he loved people. The way he uh, administered mercy to everybody around him. The way that uh, he loved even his enemies. The way that he was willing to sacrifice. Lay down his life. We can see and know God by knowing Jesus. So it's not just knowing, it's uh, a part of that, and a deeper part of that is being. And that's what Jesus is getting at here uh, as he talks to uh, the disciples and he mentions uh, that the Father dwells in me. If you look back at this, I believe it's uh, down in verse uh, 10 Do you not believe that I am in the Father? And the Father is in me. Uh, This comes after uh, Philip says, uh, show us. Okay, you've said that, but show us the Father. We we haven't uh, really grasped this yet. Show us the Father. And then we will believe. And we'll be satisfied. And he says, have I been with you all this time? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own but the Father who dwells in me does His works. Think about that. Here's Jesus saying that the Father, God, dwells in Him. Jesus said a lot of radical things. But perhaps this is the most radical. It's not just about the temple. It's not about where you go to this place even though that's fine, go to the place of worship. But he's saying that he is a temple. That he is the way to get to God. That, that he is uh, experiencing the dwelling of God inside of him. And he says to them that they could experience the same thing. The Father is in me, and I am in the Father. It's hard to distinguish one from the other, there is this constant uh, development of relationship and sharing and community, and when we get to Trinity Sunday, we'll talk about that even a little bit more, but uh, there is this dynamic kind of relationship that is going on. Uh, I saw one of my uh, professors uh, in, in Atlanta and uh, made me think about his book, um, and it's on congregational leadership, and uh McAfee School of Theology has different uh, categories that all of the, uh, the classes frame their syllabus or syllabi by uh, and it, it comes really from this, uh, this text and others but it, they use those same words uh, knowing and being and doing and so all the classes kind of fit that frame. Uh, But in in one of the books, this is from uh, Larry McSwain, and in his uh, book he talks about mystical intelligence. And he is uh, quoting from Graham Standish in his book. He says he describes mystical intelligence as a deeper level of intelligence than other approaches, such as an IQ or emotional intelligence. It has to do with how aware we are of God's purpose, presence, and power. Mystical intelligence includes an intuitive, uh, integrative awareness of God's presence, an acceptance and expectation of providence, a passionate desire to make God's will a priority. It has to do with how aware we are. How aware are you of the God who dwells inside of you? How attentive are you to what God is doing inside of you and what God wants to do and the the kind of knowledge and the kind of relationship that God wants to have with you? We will find our way in life, in our relationships, in our world, as we deepen that sense of being. We're so busy, though. We're so distracted. And, and I, I am one of those who, uh, I, I'm an addict to um, apps. Um, I, uh, I, I will download pretty much any app just to try <laughs> it out and see, see what it does. Um, and thankfully most of them are 99 cents, but um, to, to be able to just kind of see what it does. But I, I like all of the, the things that um, help me learn something new about how to do something or automation to where uh, like I don't have to turn on the lights at the house, as if that's so hard, right? <laughs> but it's better if you have a, you can sit across the room with your app and turn the lights on and off, uh, or do that with uh, other things, the TV or whatever. But those things intrigue me. But I find that uh, I'm spending so much of my my mental energy on these things, and there's not a moment where I'm just sitting and being, right? We always... And you look around. Maybe some of you are doing it this morning. Uh, It's hard to just sit and not touch your phone. Right? I was going through the airport yesterday. And I saw this lady. She looked like she was probably... Somewhere between 90 and 100. And I looked at her. And she was on her uh, her phone. iPhone. And I said, good for you. (laughs) And uh, she was navigating. I mean, she was really... I don't know if she was FaceTiming or Snapchatting or what she was doing, but she was having a good time with it. But we can't just sit and be, can we? No. And that's how God speaks to us best, is when we are sitting and being. And so if we're going to know the Father, we need to be aware of the Father who dwells in us. And to pay attention to that. To practice the presence of Christ. And there's so many ways that we can do that. Uh, I mean, you you could come up with all kinds of ways. There's no end to the the creative expressions that you could give to that. So it's knowing, it's being, but it is doing as well. And that's where Jesus talks to the disciples about Uh, The way that you can know that the Father is in me is by the works that I'm doing. The the things that I am doing. Not just saying, but doing. And he says, and you're going to be able to do them too. And you're going to do even greater things than I have done. We don't think a whole lot about that. And I'm sure they were thinking, there's no way I could do greater things than I've seen you do. And yet Jesus says, this is, what it's going to be like. As you get out and you know and and you live in the the awareness of who you are and who God is, you will do. It's almost like you can't keep that from happening, right? And uh, I was uh, reading a a book by um, Stephen Harrigan and it is about a a guy in Texas who... um, of course, it has to be in, in, in Texas um, uh, for me to, to read it, although I, I love to read books about Louisiana as well. But there, there's a guy in Texas who is sculpting. This is uh, pretty close to World War I. He's been hired to uh, make a sculpture for uh, a young man who was killed in World War I. His father was grieving his loss, and he has this huge ranch, out in West Texas. I and mean, he says, I want you to make a statue of him uh, on this particular hill overlooking our property because that's how I remember him. And there's a whole lot that goes behind this story about the father and the son. Uh, but he is busy sculpting it and, and putting all of his efforts into it. Something happens and the clay freezes and, and it ruins the, uh, the, the sculpture. And so the, uh, the sculptor says, I'm going to have to give you the uh, money you gave me to start this back. I'm not going to be able to finish. And the guy says, why? What, what are you talking about? I, you know, I'm paying you to do this. And he says, uh, I can't do it again. There's no way I can put that kind of uh, myself, my soul into this sculpture. It was kind of a one-time thing. I can't reproduce that. I've lost my soul. And we find ourselves like that a lot, don't we? We can't do the things, or we feel like we can't do the things that we are supposed to be doing with our lives and with our gifts and and, uh, with our church or whatever else, because we lose our way. And we're not sure how we could ever get back to that. And yet God has called us with this challenge of knowing and being and then doing. How is it that you're doing today? In what ways are are you doing the works of Christ? As we think about Mother's Day, uh, we think about all the things mothers do and and the ways that that mothers uh, keep the world running, right? And as we think about the significance of them and, and what takes place in our lives, in our homes, in our society. It's amazing. And we're to do that as well. We're to follow their example. We are to do the works of Christ in our homes. We are to do the works of Christ in our workplaces, as hard as that may be, as you go back to work tomorrow and you think about the tasks that you have to do maybe you're not too excited about. Think about practicing the presence of Christ with all of those tasks. As you go to, uh, into your neighborhood, in your community, and you think about the neighborhood, our church is in here, and all of the things that we can do to demonstrate the works of Christ. That is how people will know that Jesus is real, and that, that God is in us. And if they don't ever see that, they'll conclude that that's not the case. And we can do that in our world. Our world desperately needs to see the works of Christ, So I hope that you will uh, think about each one of those keys and make sure that you have those as you think about the way that God has for you. As we were, not to give you too many airport stories, but you know, there's always something interesting that happens to us uh, whenever we go anywhere, really. Uh, it's usually uh, one of those things where um, we try to forget it for a while, uh, push it down, uh, but it's usually funny. But um, there was a lady that was uh, getting. We were in the airport and we were getting on the train to go uh, around to our particular um, gate. And there was a lady that uh, had a a ticket, and she came to me, and I could tell just by looking at her that she was from some country in in Africa. I couldn't tell which one, but she held up her ticket and she said, "Um, "Where is where is this? Where am I supposed to go?" And uh, the ticket had the, the gate number on it, and, and I was I was not sure where I was supposed to go either. But uh, I said, okay, that's A15, and uh, I showed her on the sign where to go and all that. She spoke English, and um, she just didn't, had never been in that airport before, she said. And I didn't ask her if she'd ever been in the United States before. But she didn't know where to go, she didn't know her way. When we caught up with her at the train. turns out we were going kind of close to where she was going. Jenny went over to her and, and said, uh, she noticed that she didn't know like when to get off the train. And uh, she said, this is when you get off. She went over and told her, this is where and when you, you get off. And so uh, she was able to show her the way. And I think that is really what we are called to do as well. As we try to find our way, we are called... To share that way with other people. To save the people all around us. This is the way to go. It is the way of Jesus. And will you follow? Let's pray.